It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Barrick BMW has a range of re-owned vehicles ready for immediate delivery. BarrickBMW.com.au. Robot building supplies. Robots got it. And deliver. RobotBuildingSupplies.com.au. Sonos. Game-changing sound this festive season. Save now on ready-made speaker sets. The Run Home with Andy and Gazy. Well, there's no doubt about all of that, and it's a joy to be here this Monday afternoon, the 5th day of December. 2022, and uh, thank you to all of those who have paved the way here on 1116 SEN on this Monday morning and afternoon. <laughs> Prior to us being here, <laughs> Big show coming up today just as you uh, recompose yourself. Andy Harper, Mike Clayton, Brendan Gale, Body Nage, all joining us on the show. And Body Nage, your man, yes. is joining us on the show because it's... um. We're getting close to that time where we yes. need to look out for uh, we do. uncles, brothers, mm-hmm. dads, mates, all the rest of it. Yep. Oh, sisters and mums and aunties and all that. Sort of. oh, and you need to buy some stuff for the uh, – and you might be in a Kris Kringle. And, yep. <clears throat> you know, you've got your 30-buck max or something to spend. So yes. We're going to give you a couple of sports books, affordable and joyful sports books to purchase mm-hmm. uh, between uh, now and the end of – our time uh, on radio together this year, which I believe is Wednesday. Three days. <laughs> Thank you well, very much. Well, for me, you're going to continue on and do some very crisp work next week. Oh, I am. And an exotic, well, to, type, exotic type well, tour. Well, to be determined because I'm, I'm flying still, as far as I'm aware, I'm still flying solo at this stage. So we mm. need, we need a, uh, we need a second, uh, we, need we, a wing, we need a wingman. Let's have a comp. Let's have a comp. needs to be someone who is, uh, who is versed in the, uh, in the ways of broadcasting. Well, I do it. We need to do a couple of shows. I do it, and I'm certainly not there. Well, you were invited to be part of the trip down to King Island, and I can't Um, wait to get down there on Tuesday and Wednesday to play at um, both Cape Wickham and uh, Ocean Shores. Mm. June's always getting mixed up down there. Uh, thanks for the magnificent King Island Golf, golf Tours company, but uh, you're unavailable for some no, reason. No, well, I'm away. I'm going to be in uh, in Queensland in uh, on the Gold Coast. Got a, a little... Um, right, I've, I've got a little bit of an issue here. Uh, you know what else, though, Andy? Speaking yes, please of golf, because I uh, was a part of the Challenge Cancer, Robert Allenby Challenge Cancer Day, where they had their golf day today. And Correct. The, the second session... They're teeing off, or they teed off uh, about 12, 12.30. I was in that morning session. Correct. And uh, what a day that is. A golfing At, uh, Yarra, Yarra. celebrities all over the place. Mike Clayton was out there. He's going to be on the show a little bit later My word on. is to wrap up uh, the first mm. time that we've seen the Australian Open. Greg Chalmers was there. I'd like that. Beautiful. And all Snake. Dona- Snake. All donating their time. Listen, Dallas. Correct. And uh, well, they were playing... Um, and I got to play in the tournament with uh, the great Leonard Copeland. Nice. And also with Keithy, the legitimate Keith. Keith from the block was in my group. What a golfer. Plays off four. My word, he can hit a golf ball. Don't know who you're and, talking uh, about. And the but... great man, Anthony Gurkovic from, uh, from Mizuno. Oh, can he hit a golf ball? 11 under we were. I'm not Nos. sure we're going to get the, uh, no, the big easy Yarra Yarra. Yeah, you'll need better than that to win, I think. But, uh, but no, fantastic day. Do terrific work to raise money. And they've got their big, big banquet coming on tonight. So at you'll be the dropping Crown. back in there tonight? 
Uh, I won't be there. I have been to every other one, but a very, very special day for me, Andy. On this day 30 years ago, I walked down the, the aisle with the beautiful Melinda. Oh, well, congratulations. 30 years. So I unfortunately years. can't oh. make the... Well, not unfortunately. I have another very pressing engagement. What are you doing with the lovely tonight? We're going back to one of our very first restaurants Where that we went to. Where are you going? In Fitzroy Street. What's it called? Leo's Spaghetti Bar. So- so if anybody's out and about tonight and you want to see Gazy and Melinda, Leo's oh, no. Spaghetti Bar no, is the place to no, go. No. Just nick in there. You don't need a booking. What no. uh, time are you going to be in there? I'm not sure. <laughs> Selfies are plenty. He'll no, be handing out autographs. No. You'll be loving that classic cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> no, classic cocktail. Leo's <laughs> Spaghetti Bar. Keefe and Mrs. Keefe tonight. Mm. Melinda will be delighted that you've published that, uh, broadcast that on the yeah, uh, on the airwaves. Probably shouldn't. Have <laughs> Absolutely that, delighted. Hey, it's going to be fun, though. Oh, going back to the old stomping ground. Lovely. What were you, we used to you? live around the corner in St. Leonard's Avenue, two nice. blocks away. Nice. I, I tell you what, there was a day. That was a time when, this is when I was about 13, we first moved in there, and mm. Ackland Street was two-way. Now it's one-way. It's all Change. And it used to be where the uh, ladies of the night used oh, to around there. Yep. Yep. I'll tell you a story. This proud. is a true, well, you know, offer their, their services. Yeah, cool. Uh, uh, right. It's their office. And uh, at 13 years of age, had the purple drag star. So the second day I'm in the uh, St. Leonard's Avenue, I thought I'd go and have a look around. So I'm on the drag star and I'm walking around. And when you see, you know, the lady, ladies are there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, as a, sex, a, youngster, a sex worker. That's what they are. <laughs> and uh, you, you, your eyes, because they're, they're dressed up uh, in quite a well, it's their exotic sh- it's way. Their shop front. <laughs> it is. And I remember I was riding my bike and I looked over and I guess I was staring oh. a little too much. While you were riding. Right, right while Son's, I was. Son's helmet. Well, no, no helmets no back helmets in those back days. In those days. And um, I looked over there and I heard this lady goes, G'day, love. <laughs> and I'm like, well, hey, when you're 13, you, you're a bit scared. He goes, G'day, love. Do you want to be broken in? Oh, dear, mate. Cheap. <laughs> 20 bucks. She yelled that out to me. What you say? As I was riding. And I just, well, I turned around, pedaled back and went to the piggy bank and saw <laughs> the... Yes! <laughs> yes, yes, yes. No, but I, it was a t- different time. How much time. did you have? No, 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 I wouldn't. Oh, you weren't that one. Client. No, no. Seven ninety nine. But <laughs> disappointing. But it was a different, different environment to what it is these days. No doubt, no doubt. And uh, it's... Leo still do the fantastic uh, risotto. Risotto, the spaghetti, beautiful risotto, it's really good stuff. No, there. magnificent. Well, I haven't been there in a long, long time. Oh, so... You'll love it. You'll yeah, go. Yeah, that's why we're going back no, there. Well done. Melinda uh... organised that. Well, congratulations to the two of you. It's a beautiful yeah. thing. Mm. Did you do you need reminding of that every year, or is it in your book and you're ready to go? I generally, when I think December fifth, it does eventually come to me. But right. I, I sometimes right. just you know. Well, what happened was I originally committed to go to the Robert Allenby dinner tonight, and then Ooh. when I hello, are you missing something? And then it did <laughs> click. So once I'm reminded and given a little jolt. Yes. Oh, it definitely comes flashing thank back. You, thank you very much. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. It is a Monday. Uh, we continue the whole mm. way through Pox Rocks. Uh, whatever you want to put on the uh, agenda from the wrap of the weekend sport. What a weekend. Feel free to do so. Join us. Uh, there's stuff to give away. 0433981116. If you want to join us uh, on the 40 Winks Tampa text, um, it's, uh, it'll be a joy to have you. It is, of course, a tradies hour for Ace Gunners. Australian made. And built to last. Uh, we should we should start with the Socceroos, should we? Not? I'd be I mean, rude not to. It would be rude not to. Major major rocks. 
Yes. For the organisation, the collective, the squad, the coach, everyone involved to be as... Um, uh, they were heroic without winning. They were heroic uh, right to the very end. And mm. they took on a very Polish, probably not the best Argentinian team we've ever seen in our lifetimes, but a very mm. good one nonetheless. Took them right to the wire, mm. right to the wire. And they should, every single one of mm. them, we should say, I think on behalf of our humble little program, if I may mm. be so bold as, to say thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for your efforts. And no, it was a superb effort. And I, I'll be honest, I, I don't... I watch more of the European stuff than the Australian team and the way we play. I'm not across a lot of the detail of what they're doing and uh, it's strategically I'm talking about. And the first 15, 20 minutes, geez, we... we Defended our... Ha- like, like, and I'm thinking, how do we ever change the tempo of this one? How do we get it going in our favour? But the more you see it, the more you learn about the game, you understand the strategy a little bit more. It started to unfold and... Terribly unlucky with that messy goal that, that took place. Well, you say unlucky. Well, I, I, know, we I, had, don't, I the, don't say unlucky. Positionally, I thought, well, I don't, well, I don't know if you could do much more. Now, there was a bit of a the, – the, 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 the free kick that was given was unhelpful, but the, the, there was a bit of action in between. The free and, kick, and positionally, the, I thought, Andy, it wasn't – Far from where we need to be. Now, that could be a completely well, a naive I, thing I, to say. I would suggest it is, my friend, unfortunately. I, I would have thought that for 35 minutes, mm-hmm. the match was following exactly the same path as the Danish game, yep. where we took whatever they could throw at us. We stayed disciplined, and, and disciplined is the key word. We played, mm-hmm. stayed tight and disciplined. Yep. wasn't a lot of adventure from the Socceroos, yeah. but let's take, 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 absorb, 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 mm. and opportunities will present, mm. and hopefully we can make the most when they do. Unfortunately, as is Beige, who was magnificent through the tournament, mm. but if you're going to pat him on the back for all of the good stuff you do, I think we reserve the right to, to from a layman's perspective, offer a cr- critical uh, assessment if yeah, you think it's course. fair and when you see it. Beige, Beige had that little moment across the sideline mm. where he and Messi... Uh, fell across the line together, a bit of a, ch- a tug of the shirt. Mm. Beige was seeing red. You can see it. He's a fiery little character, and we love that about him. Next opportunity he gets, he, he just goes straight through the back of the Argentinian bloke, gives away a soft foul in a terribly dangerous position, and, of course, it falls to Messi. Bang, we're 1-0 down. Well, Up it fell st- to him and it came back, and then he went again. It was so- a perfect position for Argentina to set up and create a meaningful opportunity. Mm. It doesn't no, mean I understand. that it doesn't you give away the foul, it doesn't mean they're gonna score. No. Of course it doesn't mean they're gonna score. But it was the first, to my way of uh reckoning, mm. and again, like you, no expert, mm. but I don't think we'd put a foot wrong up until that stage. I don't think we'd put we had not been one skerrick of ill discipline. Mm. And then we'd pay the price. Mm. So unfortunately that was that. We hung in there. I'll tell you what's the second pox. Mm. Uh, we, you and I will never know what this feels like. You possibly mm. closer if you've, you know, let someone run past you mm. and they knock down a crucial point mm. in a game of basketball. But we, you and I will never know what it must feel like to be in the shoes of Matt Ryan oh, yes. when you make the blue mm. and you swing around and you watch the ball just dribble across your goal line the way it did. That must be, uh, in terms of pox feelings, that must be the highest pox mm. That you can experience. Gut-wrenching. Oh, God. In fact, if there's a bigger pox feeling that has been experienced by an Australian sports person in 2022 
that what Matt Ryan must have experienced. No. A, when he knew he'd played himself into a bit of trouble, when it's 2v1, he goes, oh, hell, I'm in trouble here. Well, they kicked it and then back he to turns him, around and he sees the ball dribbling. There's that slow-mo shot where he turns around mm. and he watches the ball dribbling into his own net. Oh, that must have been a horrible, horrible We just didn't feeling. trap it right. He trapped it. It bounced too far out in front of him. And Correct. Then First touch was went. clumsy. Well, it was, but I guess you could argue, well, should it have been kicked back to they him? They always do that now. They use the goalkeeper oh, as a Oh, but that was a little tighter than some of the other no, ones. No, it was. But he, I would think, again, mm. we'll talk to Andy Harper about this later, but there's nothing. We are encouraging our goalkeeper to mm. be an 11th outfielder, aren't we? And, mm. and, and that's great. And that's Ange's way. And that's the world way. That's what all the good yes. teams, and we want to play. We want to be a good team. We're going to play like a good team. Mm. But sometimes there's a time and a place just to stick it 50 rows into the outer. Like, just oh, well, kick the Well, we're all good genius in hindsight. Well, but you're the one who's saying he, he shouldn't have played it back to him. No, I'm saying, that's what I'm saying. It's Since the moment, Coco, and kick it out of play. Well, that, would, that's what it, and that comes down to your overall strategy. Now, yes. clearly they're saying, hey, we're going to play with, with Dare. We're going to try and Spot use on. our strategy to, to, uh, to use the goalkeeper. It wasn't by accident that happened. It wasn't like that. That would have been part of, of course, their thinking. Of course, no doubt about that. No doubt. And it just he didn't mean it was to more, do. But, so is it more of a? Was it more of a skill? It was probably both. Was it a skill error or a bad skill. decision? No, well, a bit of both. Mm. I reckon in a bit the of both. Probably. Yeah, strategically, no problems passing the ball back to the goalkeeper. Mm. Do that every day. Of the week. They do it fifty times a game. Mm. No problems with that. But obviously, the decision to mm. you know trap it when he was in a, under a bit of pressure and not mm. execute cleanly, and then the skill error, you pay the price. And, and, Horrible and feeling. Everyone Horrible said, feeling. well, now that that happened, well, it's that, that would have cost the game. We would have tied it. Well, not necessarily. You never know what's Because you, your whole game plan, yeah, we, we were throwing caution to the wind, it looked like, in the mm. end, and it was looking really nice. The last 10, 15 minutes, Mate, thinking, Qual- we're going to score here. Did you see the slow-mo of Garen Quall right at the very end? Yes. It got past the goddamn keeper, and, and he had his arm just out there. Yes. Oh. So that's and, how close we came, you know, and just, squaring that thing up. Just on this, and we know that we all. God uh, damn it! Uh, hey, chin up. Let's let's look at the positives. Chin up. Uh, the other thing, though, in relation to this, is we love the AFL, of course. They they magnificent, wonderful organisation. Do some very fast special thing. But one of the great poxes of the weekend. Oh, I know where you go. Was the AFL. Releasing round one schedule at 6 a.m. on Sunday. Now, there is petulant uh, behaviour that you see from (laughs) four-year-olds. Now, this to me was some of the most petulant, not reading the room, not funny, not anything behaviour that just, that, that, that talk about an own goal, AFL, own goal, 6 a.m. on Sunday. Just not necessary. I, I, I agree. I, with, I don't I understand totally, why. I totally agree with you. Read the it, room, a, Andy. I don't reckon though. Honestly, and I'm not doing saying this to give him an out. Right. I reckon they were trying to be funny, and it was completely tone deaf. Trying it was to be funny. It was like, oh look, this. Everyone expects us to own the landscape. We know we can't own the landscape, so let's put the draw. Oh. Let's sacrifice a little bit here for a bit of a joke. But it, the joke was just not funny, and it gave all the, it gave everybody the chance mm. to give them a massive whack, and they and they absolutely deserve it. But you know why? Because they're never funny. They never try and be funny. They never do any of this stuff with a sense of humour. Mm. They always try and own the media landscape. It's what they are good at, and it's what they are versed at. 
Um, they have never, Already, they've never yeah. released anything at six o'clock on a Sunday morning ever in the history of the world. Well, well Clint, has the AFL released anything at mm. six o'clock ever? Well, I think it was it, just a bad joke, a uh, really bad joke. Uh, I think. You're giving him a little bit too much well, leeway. Maybe I'm I am. not maybe sure I am. it was a joke. I think oh, it was no, like, well, here's, no. let's try and no. soften the no blow one's... of a rival code. No one is that stupid. Well, then don't do it. No one is that stupid. Well, well the... someone is. Well, no, no. I think it was a – you may be right. They may be have done – but I'm but... – You think it was a joke? I think it was a joke okay. that went horribly wrong. Mm. I do, I do, but mm. I'm happy to cop uh, a whack. Okay, well, if it's humour, man, then I've read the room wrong. If you think that that was a tempting well, when humor? was the last time they put out a press release mm. on a Sunday morning, particularly something like The Fixture, which mm. they make such a song and dance about, and they know that on a radio station like this and a few others, once they drop The Fixture, right. there's three days' worth of 1-300s about that sort of stuff. Okay. They get mileage out of it all well, over well, the Well, maybe joke. I shouldn't have mentioned it. No, no, I think you're right to mention it because right. I think it was a really bad joke and it's completely backfired on them and they right. look stupid. It's embarrassing. <laughs> right. Completely embarrassing. Well, I, didn't, I thought it was a bit... Uncalled for. Oh, oh com- well, look, completely mm. uncalled for. Right. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, let's get to a break. 20 past three. John, Paul, Mick, everybody else. Rocks, Pox, 1300-736-736. Uh, all the calls today for Lawn Hub. Real Lawn Fanatics use Lawn Hub Fertiliser. Blimey, Teddy, the Dallas Cowboys have just put a 50 burger up on Indianapolis. Oh, that's a... 54.19. Jeff Saturday, back to ESPN with you, Coco. Not required. You know, the coach yeah, who yeah. took over from the former TV animal. Never yes. coached a team in his life. Won his first game, hung in there in his second, well, abl- eviscerated, eviscerated in his third. He's been, he inherited a tough situation, Andy. Well, I don't know whether it was all well, about he, the coaching. He didn't have to do it. Not sure this is a true indication of his cap- coaching abilities. He didn't have to say yes. Well, how would you know what his coaching abilities are? He's never coached. It'd be like, I don't know, what would it be like? Who's It'd be it? like, um, uh, let's say, uh, Nick Rewalt coming in and coaching St Kilda. Yeah, that'll do. That'll do. That'll do. I'm Thank happy you. with that. Johnny's in Richmond, uh, 26 past three. Far away, Johnny. Mind you, I think he'd be a very good coach. <laughs> Hello, John. Uh, hey, John, boy. Uh, yeah, just in uh, Rocks and Pox, I guess, yeah. Uh, the AFL and, I guess, the, the Socceroos, uh, yeah, I thought the, it was pretty petty. And um, I think they were basically trying to troll footballer, like the Socceroo fans. Mm. And I think it just came completely backfired on them. I think it looked like... Yeah, very, very pretty. I think and, you're right, Johnny. I think that's a good way of putting it. Um, and just on, just on the Socceroos, then, uh, I thought that they played an amazing brand of football mm. in the World Cup, actually. And I think they, yeah, they should definitely hold their head up high. And I wouldn't blame, I would actually blame Matt Ryan for that goal. I thought it was a terrible back pass. He wasn't set up to actually receive the ball, and then he was trying to put the ball back on his strong foot again, and then that's where he got mixed up, I think. So. Yeah, I don't think people can really mm. pin it on him. Or it was just more that the team were trying to do the right thing. I think, and that's that's something that I think Graham Arnold and Ange Postecoglou got to get a lot of credit for is that they're starting to bring the ball out from the back. And ten years ago, they wouldn't have done that. They would have just like smashed it down the path. Yeah. And they would have been in, and they would have been in the exact same position again thirty seconds later. Anyway. <laughs> that's a good point. So, mm. so like these are the things that that people I think need to like uh, recognise is that they're actually genuinely starting to play a high level of uh, international football. Johnny, you are automatically in the running uh, for our uh, incredible twin share trip to King Island. 
Flights, accommodation, golf included, thanks to Play King Island's Pure Links Golf Courses experience. Fantastic. Uh, So you are in the running, my friend, uh, for being our best caller of the week. It is an abbreviated week again, Monday, Tuesday, Mm. Wednesday, before we go to the Adelaide Oval for the second of the tests. And Johnny's in the mix. Well done. Nice way to start it. Paul's in Melbourne. Uh, Paul, welcome to the program. Hi, fellas. Just um, defending Matt Ryan again, Mm -hmm. uh, like the previous caller. Like, it's an, an old VFL saying, you never kick across goal. But, uh, <laughs> That's gone. I think... apt in this, this regard. And the two Argentinian bikes, they're only a couple of metres from Matt when, when the pass went to him. So mm. it was always on the cards. Yeah. Well, if it was a perfect oh, trap and a perfect kick out, then maybe. But it had to be perfect. And it yeah. just bobbled too far just out. Just don't invite. Don't invite the lack of mm. perfection. Don't invite what comes with a lack of perfection. Every now and again, Johnny's right and Paul is right and you are right and yep. everyone's right. Mm. But I think so am I on this one. When the position, when there is imminent threat, mm. imminent danger, mm. don't invite it. No. Well, there was imminent danger early on. To me, when things are a little tight, there was imminent danger. Imminent? In, <laughs> imminent danger everywhere, Andy. Yes, there was, more, but it's relative. There, correct, Keith. Yeah. There, there's a time when the back pass comes and you are 25 metres on your own. So mm. if you make a little blunder, there's probably time to uh, rectify the situation. Your uncle, isn't it? No but, problems. Well, that is true, yes. But on this occasion, there was not 25 metres no, there wasn't. to play. So. There was, it had to be perfect. <laughs> Thank you very much. We Thank you. perfect. Thank you. Goal. Spot on. Uh, back to your calls on the other side of the news. Brett, Mick, your calls after you. Welcome back to the show. Uh, let's get back to your calls uh, for Lawn Hub. Real Lawn Fanatics use Lawn Hub fertiliser. Uh, Brett is in Mentone. Rocks, Pox, what do you got for us, Brett? I've got one of each for you. I'll give you the, the Rocks, Andy, and I'll give Gazy the Pox because Good. I reckon he probably would have been involved in this sort of thing. I like, oh, you. I like where you're going already. Uh, doesn't sound good. The, ro- the Rocks was about the disabilities, showing the disabilities golf on Sunday yes. yesterday. Yep. I thought it was sensational the way they did it with the men, the women and the disabilities but showing the amount of highlights of the disabilities and the live play. That was just awesome. And Brilliant. that bloke the crutches with the one leg, <laughs> what a golf swing and how far he could hit the ball. It's, when you, when you that see... That's a brilliant call, Brett. When you see... a a human being mm. do that yes. and swing with such – well, it's a beautiful golf swing. It and is. he's doing it off one leg. Correct. It's it's hard to believe you can – golf is a very difficult game. It is. It's extremely difficult. It is. Uh, so it's a great call, Brett. I think you might have a bit more. My pox for, for, is for the, anyone who had a crack at those four soccer roots blokes who got their photo with Messi. Oh. Okay. Surely, surely when you played in the NBA, you snuck at the – the opportunity to get a photo with some of the big boys when you play. 100%. You're spot on, Brett, and it was one of my poxes, so you've beat me to the call because uh, that is just ridiculous, people suggesting somehow that equates to them not caring. or These players would have had his poster up in their rooms. He would have provided the inspiration for many of them. It's after the game. We showed throughout the game that we were out there giving it everything we had. He was unbelievably brilliant in the game. And why wouldn't you want to get a photo with with arguably the greatest of all time? That's ridiculous how anyone could be critical 
of these players wanting to get a photo with their idol. And but that doesn't mean you can't separate being your their idol and then competing when you're out in the field. The people who are complaining about the Socceroos getting the photo mm. taken, did they watch a second of the match? Did they see the way the Australians competed? Mm. Mm. Did the see did they see the way the Australians competed against Lionel Messi? Correct. Did they watch a single frame of the World Cup? Because I know the answer. The answer is no. Well, some answer No, 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 no. Because if they did, they would understand mm. something about the way we competed, mm. the level of competition we provided, and the fact that having a photo with the greatest player ever, mm. once our World Cup campaign yes. is over, means nothing. Well, not only that, it was that people so, there was three of our swear, three of our players I was that swear, uh, got the photos, but also uh, Cameron Devlin was the one that he hadn't played a second the whole tournament, mm. and he actually exchanged jersey, got his jersey from him. Now I don't know whether um, he's going to be sort of hanging and putting uh, Cam Devlin's uh, jersey in a frame like he would be with his jersey, but nevertheless, what a get and how brilliant of uh, Messi. Just to take the time. You see, yeah, no problems. Had the photos. It wasn't Spot on. like he could have just said. Spot on. So a rocks is him and the way in which that he was, one, prepared to give a, exchange the jersey. Beautiful. And two, take the photos. Beautiful. Well done. Brett, you won 18 holes of golf for you and a mate. Clubmandalay.com.au. 99 bucks good midweek. Call, uh, drinks, cart thrown in. You can't go wrong. Two good calls. Club. we got good calls coming out of our, uh, our, out of our backside That's today. right. Don't Mix use it. that word in. No. No, I didn't know what it meant last time, and I'll never say it again. I nearly said it then. Michael's, and thanks to all our Greek listeners who were uh, tuning in that day. The Gunners. <laughs> Michael's in Lang Warren. Uh, Michael, welcome to the program. Uh, g'day, gents. Uh, I just want to follow up a little bit from the last call. I was lucky enough to uh, head out to the golf on Saturday. Yep. Um, I don't follow much international golf. So this is a bit of a rocks. I don't follow much international golf, but I don't know how much they do of the concurrent men and women uh, playing tournaments uh, internationally. But the best thing was, and I have um, I have the pleasure of having a passing acquaintance with one of their all abilities golfers. Yeah. So I was able to follow him around on Saturday. So that so to have not only the women playing concurrently with the men, yep. but also to have the all abilities at the same time was just a massive rocks for the Australian Open. Uh, it's yeah, good on you, Mick. And uh, no, that doesn't happen very often, particularly not from a National Open perspective. In fact, I think this is oh, Mick Clayton's. Mike Clayton's going to join us after the break. I think this is the first of any of the national opens that have done it on the same day, on the same course, alternating groups. I know Scotland's uh, done it, uh, the men one week, the women the next. I stand to be corrected, but I think this is the first national open to ever do it. So Beautiful thing. Uh, Michael, there's a $50 Groove Train voucher coming your way. Get your groove at the Groove Train. Richard's mm. in Campbell. We'll speak to Mike Clayton after the break. Hi, Richard. Afternoon, boys. Uh, I've got a rocks for Andrew Gaze. Thank you. The rocks is that I'm standing at Yarra Yarra Golf Course and I arrived here at a quarter past six this morning on a charity day for the uh, Challenge Foundation. Yes. And lo and behold, who do I bump into but A Gaze and uh, Leonard Copeland and Keith on the block. Yes. Just people like you make events like this. Wonderful. Uh, 
Oh, Richard, you're a beautiful man. Really appreciate it, Richard. It was a fun day. Great it was day. Uh, it was good fun. We were having a hit. The weather was not great. Windy. Really blowy, mm. uh, which would put us in a very good position because the afternoon, I'd imagine, if she's going to pick up a little bit, then it's a bit just more looking rain. Out so. wind, windy. Looking out the window um, now, and it hasn't backed off. But it's, uh, they do a fantastic job out there, Andy. It's for a wonderful cause, and if you, anyone can chip in and help out Challenge Cancer, and Dave what Rogers Robert Allenbelly does, it's his 30th year. Incredible. 30. Incredible. Incredible. He gets a lot of bad, or has over the years, got a lot of bad press, Robert Allenby. But uh, what is beyond dispute mm. is the commitment he's made to the families and the kids at Challenge uh, is um, a feather in his cap and forever will be. Hey, Richard, you've won the Trojan Tools DIY Essential Tools Pack. Dominate Christmas gifting with Trojan Tools. Trade quality at DIY prices with a lifetime guarantee. We'll talk some golf, the Australian Open, with Mike Clayton after this. Yeah. So for the first time ever, we see uh, the all abilities of the women and the men play for the Australian Open title at the same time on the same golf courses. It was a bold, ambitious plan from Golf Australia and all others involved. Mike Clayton has been out there caddying controversially on the Saturday. We'll have a chat about all of that. But watching the whole thing um, play out, there's been mixed reports about the success uh, of the operation. Mixed. There has. Been no. A lot of, no, about some of the logistics of it all. There was a, f- a few issues that next time around will probably be tidied up. Oh, but they're, they're not about the whole ask tournament. My, shall we ask Mike Clayton about it, given the oh, fact that he's joined us on the show? Mixed. No mixed. <laughs> it was all positive. Thank you. you. You do just – you live constantly on the sunny side of the street, and that's why we love you. No. Michael, good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. Andrew, how is it? How did it play out? From I mean, broadly speaking, we could drill down into a whole lot of the sort of micro stuff, but from a um, broad perspective, how did it play out? I thought it was okay, but with faults. So the, the women's field was obviously much weaker than it had been over the last X number of years because it had been an LPGA event. So mm. I think one year we had 48 of the best 50 women in the world. So because it was an LPGA, the women's field was much diminished um, but the top 30 women who played were very good and it was a terrific tournament you know, Ashley Buai was a British Open champion beat G.I. Shin who if G.I. Shin played on the LPGA tour she'd probably be number one in the world but yeah. she plays in Japan yeah. um, so Grace Kim was great as a young kid who's just got a card on the LPGA tour she made seven up the last hole but and finished I think third or fourth one or the other but she played really well Mm. Uh, which was great. Um, I have a big problem with cutting to 30 men on Sunday because I think that's too small. I, you know, I think shown by David Branson made a late bogey on Saturday, which let all the one-unders into the cut. So he was on two-under. He bogeyed it and got a one-under. So it was going to be an even 30 cut. But because he bogeyed it, he let all the one-unders in. Right. One of them was Alejandro Canazari, who went out and shot 64 and finished fourth. <laughs> so that shows what's possible when you cut to such a small number. So, so was the problem, Mike? Was the problem, Mike, that on the Sunday, on a difficult course with the wind getting up, we had too many people out on the golf course? Well, you could, you could have had the same as we had on Saturday. I carried Rel with smiling. We were played with Cameron Davis. We were first off the tenth at 6:30. So if the same happened, you know, we could have got around in, you know, in well, we, you know, in three and a half hours. You know, we finished by eleven before the weather got really bad. If they'd shot low scores, and, and the weather had got really bad on Sunday afternoon, then you know, it's, it's wildly different. But that's 
the problem they have, I think. Yeah. But I just don't think you can run a national open and have thirty have a cut of thirty on Sunday. And I think you know the players. I think generally didn't like that. I think they need to resolve that. Whether the women start on Wednesday and finish on Saturday, and the men start on Thursday and finish on Sunday, or whether they play two consecutive weeks, or uh, I don't know what you do. You know, it's a it's an economic problem with golf. It's not as there's not much corporate funding of golf, not like it used to be in the flying days of Greg Norman and when everyone watched commercial TV and performance made profit. So, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting problem that Golf Australia have to solve. But I think they, you know, I, I just hate, I detest the idea of playing to 30 players in, in an Australian Open on Sunday. And they say, well, we do that in the Vic Open. Well, that's the Vic Open. The Vic Open is not that important in the scheme of things. The Australian Open is the Australian Open. And I don't think you can, you know, there's a guy who finished fourth who w- was a bogey away from not playing. Mm. And, you know, what could possibly go wrong? And, of course, the other thing that happened was Cameron Smith and Mark Leishman didn't play. Yep. So yep. Yep. That, I mean, someone said, well, play better. Well, you know, you want the Open champion to just play, you know, you know tell Cameron Smith to play better? Mm. You know, I mean, you can play sometimes on those sandbelt courses where the lines are so fine. You can play decently and be running 31st and miss the cut. You know, and, and you can also do what Kanazari did and go out and shoot 64 and finish, you know, in the, in the top five in the tournament. So I just, they need to fix that because the players will get fed up with it and get cross and it's just not going to work. I don't I, think. And yeah. Mike, yeah. you mentioned that you mentioned that uh, the status of the women's tournament wasn't LPGA approved. Why why is that? Was it because of the, the, the nature of the tournament? No, it's because their season's over and they're on, they're having holidays and, I mean, there were a bunch of LPGA players there, like Jennifer what, what? and Don Young Yu, and but there are, there are a lot it, because it's not official money. Then they're not inclined to fly halfway across the world as close to Christmas to play the Australian Open, which I think is a pity because it, they they would certainly be the best two courses they'd played all year. Yeah, and you know it's not that much of a hardship to jump on a first class flight and come to Melbourne for a week and play Kingston East and Victoria. So, but it's not sanctioned by the LPJ, LPJ, so you don't get the bulk of their very best players. So that diminished the women's field significantly. And of course, it was it clashed with the LPJ Tour School, so some of the best Europeans are there. Europe played a tournament last week, so the best the European women could do was get here on Tuesday night, which meant they had to play or, or walk two courses on Wednesday because it's the well they could have played Kingston Heath on Wednesday because the prime was at, was at Victoria so no, none of them came down because that's not you can't fly from London arrive Tuesday night walk two courses and play Thursday and expect to put in a decent performance well, so they're all the logistical yeah. things that need to be solved will, I think will it happen again yeah. Michael do you think is it is getting the right date and dealing with these logistics, and there's others, but we don't have to drill into all of the other little bits and pieces, but do you think it'll happen again? Well, it sounds like they're committed to doing it at the Lakes and and, and the Australia next year. So I guess I'll do that and see how that goes, and um, we'll see what happens. But uh, you know, the, the, the question is, do you go to <clears throat> February, which is LPGA season, and fill the women's field up with LPGA players and co-sanction with the LPGA. Part of the problem with the LPGA is that the tournaments that are played outside of the US have to pay their 
airfares and hotels, yep. which is about, I think, $800,000. Yep. So that's a big chunk out of the budget. Um, so, and if you play in February, I mean, you play now, you're not in PGA Tour season, but in February you are. But we've got, I mean, I think Adam Scott um, is always pretty committed to playing the Australian Open. Uh, Cameron Smith and Leishman live guys, so they're looking for somewhere to play. So I don't think the men's field will be that diminished if we played in February, and we would, and we'd probably get a better women's field. But that, you know, that depends on doing a deal with the LPJ and paying up eight hundred thousand dollars to fly them all mm. in a in a hotel for a week. Yeah. So you know, golf tournaments are tricky things to run. They're expensive, and they, unlike the AFL season, where if you sponsor an AFL club, you get twenty. 25 weeks of exposure or whatever you get mm. you know, it's, it's one week so and it's become solely dependent on government to sponsor golf really mm. so you know the South Australian government's chucking in a truckload of cash for Norman's thing in at the Grange on <laughs> in Adelaide um, <laughs> you know the Queensland government put in a lot of money to the Australian PGA which was great at Royal Queensland last week that was a terrific tournament or week before Mm. And the Victorian government obviously tipped quite a bit into the Australian home. So it's, you know, it's become reliant on the government teed a bit. Yeah, mm. so if we could get some corporate support, it would be it would help be helpful. Hey, Mike, uh, you, you mentioned uh, Elvis uh, Smiley, and we were talking. I was out there today, and we had a quick chat. Uh, he's this young up and coming, and you're been on the bag uh, caddying for him. Now, I was just curious when you are are you actually coaching him when you're on the bag because. The feedback you provided me after seeing one of my shots, and I'm thinking, if this is the way in which that you're going to respond to the man out there trying to cut his way through the professional circuit, I just think you might need to reconsider the the approach that you take. No, I'll give it to him when he needs it. Yeah, for those (laughs) who don't know, Andy slashed a wicked puff off the um, 11th tee today, and I said, amazing how you can be so good at one sport and so bad at another one. Anyway, just shattered me. Shattered me. That was all right. Um, uh, no, look, I give him the numbers and, and we talk about clubs and shots and, you know, I'm trying to – I mean, I, I think Elvis is a – I think he's our best young player probably. You know, hits the ball beautifully, plays really well. He was 12th at the PGA a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, he needs a break. It's t- the hardest thing about being a pro now is getting on a tour somewhere. So I caddied for him at the first stage of the European Tour School where he shot 1,300 and finished second. And then someone else caddied for him in the second stage where he shot 1,300 again and didn't make it. So Tour Schools are tough. Yeah. But he, he, he's got a great swing. He rips it. He plays well. You know, I think he's going to be a real star. But, you know, golf's a, it's a brutal game to predict how someone's going to, going to, going to do. And so he's playing... Cathedral Lodge these two days at the David Evans's Invitational. Then he's, there's a little tournament down at Warrigal this week, at Thursday to Sunday, and then he's playing the Sandbelt Tournament that Jeff Ogilvy and I run at Kingston Heath, Royal Melbourne, Yarra Yarra and Peninsula. He'd be mad if 19 through to the 22nd of December, mad if you don't get out and take access of those golf courses and the golfers playing them. Hey, Mike, time's on the flight. We're going to go. As always, thanks for um, giving up your time to have a chat. Okay, thanks, Andy. Thanks, Daisy. Good, good on you, Mike. Uh, so lovely to have you with us this Monday afternoon. We're here, of course, for Robot Building Supplies. Robot's got it. And Berwick BMW pre-owned vehicles ready for immediate delivery. Pox rocks right throughout the show. Andy Harper, of course, going to join us.
to help us wrap up what's been our part of the World Cup campaign, the big dogs come out uh, to play, don't they? They start barking a bit louder once we get into the knockout stage. If you look at the four teams that have gone through so far mm. in the round of 16 games, they are global powerhouses. France. Netherlands, Argentina, France and England have beaten the United States, us, Poland mm. and Senegal. Now, England's stiff to uh, draw France in the uh, in the quarters. That's going to be a hell of a Is that game. just a – they, they, I assume they're done on world rankings and all those types of things. Yeah, well, so there's the, probably place, some logic yeah, to it. Yeah, well, it is, yeah. But still, there's a bit of luck of the draw, isn't there? Well, not if they're done on world rankings, no. Well, there is a bit of luck of the draw, Andy. Well, well, no, not if there's no luck. Some of there's some well, subjectivity. Well, you can be a bit unlucky if somebody some subjectivity in your rankings. If there is an element. If somebody's dropped a position a month before the World Cup and you've jumped a position or something, that would mm. see you play a team like France. Who mm. who must be said? Mbappe. Well, he was a rocks. That man has got some skill. No, not some. A lot of the most. The most. Okay. I, I, again. We should say this every time we cast yeah, we an opinion don't because really no, but no, no, no. The eye test suggests he's very talented. He, he magnificent player. <laughs> yes, he was good against us, right? He looked good against us. Had a spell. Uh, Had a spell. He and, did uh, against Tunisia Poland. Got, Tunisia he looked, got hold of him. It's true. Mm-hmm. He looked like he found another gear against the mm-hmm. Polish, and his two goals were things of absolute beauty. I mean, the his ability to create power. Mm. And control the uh, direction of the football while creating uh, enormous power. It's the art of the game. Yeah. And working the angles. Mm. He, very good player. Very, very nice. Andy Harper's been good enough to join us. I think he knows more about the caper than you and I. But I would I, think so. But I think he'd agree with us about him, mm. Uh Harps, he's a. Um, before we talk about the boys in green, gold, and white and the, the ultimate campaign that we've had, uh, the, the kid from France goes all right. I've got a bit of potential. <laughs> He's a hell of a can find player, him, mate. Could you find a spot him in your team? Uh, I'd have to trial him first. Yeah, you know. right. uh, oh, I, I think he's got a couple of weaknesses I'd need to work on. <laughs> so, hey, in this campaign alone, or just this campaign, Harps, the 2022 campaign that we've just lived through, for us to have challenged, uh, ultimately challenged Argentina and, and maybe gone another step or two deeper into this, how many... How many really good players are we away from being in a position to have beaten Argentina and gone a bit deeper? Oh, wow. What a question, Cocker. Um, fact of the matter is, one of our best players made the howler that put us behind, but two, Matty Ryan. Yeah. Um, that, that's, a, that's, that's a really good question. That's a really good question. I, I mean, we can't hide from the fact that... Let's go the other way. Who's, who's close or thereabouts now? Um, well, Aidan Rusty is yep. the emerging talent. One sec. Andy Harper joins. Yeah, yeah. Aidan, sorry about that. <laughs> Bloody all sorts of things. Right, you're a busy Aiden. man. You're a busy man, and we, we, we're appreciative of any time you can oh, give us. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get that. Um, now, Aidan Rusty is definitely the emerging talent. And, of course, he was ripped off, and we, by extension, with his injury. So we saw in those closing stages against Argentina just the sort of quality that he's got. Yep. Um, unfortunately, Aaron Moyes at the back end of his career um, because, you know, he, after not much football in the last 18 months, really showed and, and the other teams against which he was playing really took notice of his ability to crawl, control the tempo of the game. So Rustic will move into that. Um, you know, Riley McGree with another year or two in Europe is going to be a really dynamic attacking good. midfielder. A yeah. couple of good centre-halves. 
coming through. Um, and so then we need the Garang Quals. You know, the teenagers over the next two World Cup cycles, Marco Tilio, um, Garang Qual are the two in the frame at the moment too to grow into, into seasoned pros because they've got the box of tricks that can, that can hurt teams. But, I, look, I think also we mustn't get caught up completely in the hype, understandable hype of this in, in, enormous performance. I mean, this was basically the same group of players who struggled through qualifying. Yeah. Um, you know, so it, it's not all of a sudden as though this group of players is on the cusp of world domination. Uh, this was an incredible result, uh, just a mighty performance by these players who really... Re- reasserted, redefined for all of us what it means to play in a team. All those beautiful things about you know teamwork and sacrifice and covering for your mate. And this really came to the fore. Um, they scored three world-class goals, which is bizarre because goal scoring had been a problem for most of the tournament. So, you know, you, you can't say that uh, a corner has been turned necessarily. Um, what we need to do is just appreciate the enormous effort that's gone into this. Uh, we've still got the game has still got obviously a lot of a, a lot of room for improvement, but this gives everyone the confidence uh, and the shot in the arm. We talked last week about um, perception, yeah. right? And yeah. this will this will help to change people's perception. And if this if this almighty performance achieves nothing else other than to get people to start looking at themselves and their attitudes towards the game in this country, then it will have been a big win. Mm. Hey, uh, Andy, well, earlier on in yeah. the show, uh, Andy Mart, rightly so, he said, with all the good that we've got to call out some of the things that we didn't think were so good. And, and he had a bit of a crack at Aziz Beach in that tackle that where he committed that foul and yeah. just thought that that was a complete... I mean, I'm summarising here, but a bit of a brain fade. That was a crucial moment. And a, and a very, very yeah. crucial moment. Uh, yeah. How did you see the impact of that particular decision? Because there was a bit of action afterwards and we were defending quite well, obviously. Yeah. But uh, then uh, Messi does what Messi can do and made, yeah. us look, uh, made it pretty tough. Yeah, look, I, I, hindsight's a wonderful thing. Mm. If Messi didn't score from that subsequent free kick uh, a couple of plays later, then no one would be shirt fronting as is Bayich. Mm. Um, you know, I think there's probably there, there was probably a section of people who intuitively thought, "Oh God, don't give a free kick away mm. here; they're getting under your skin." And, and we've seen it plenty of times. Um, but you know, that, that that's where the hindsight comes in because Messi still had to do his thing. There were still another six players around in that area to stop him. Yeah. Um, and, and Matty Ryan was caught just a little bit short. So, yeah, Adiz was a bit impetuous. But part of this as well, and I'm not sure that he lost his rag necessarily, but part mm. of this, which has been celebrated through the rest of the match, mm. is is Aziz Bayic, um, uh, Kieran Bacchus, uh, Keanu Bacchus, standing up to these guys, not getting pushed around and staring them back in the face. And, and until the messy goal and before and after the messy goal, of course, that was an approach from the Aussies that everyone was really celebrating. Yeah, true. You, could have, you, you can't have your cake and eat it. So yeah. as he was trying, trying to stake out his territory, he felt he was wronged, and I tend to agree. And so he reacted. Um, but to pin that first goal on him, uh, a little bit too convenient for me. I mean, his performance is incredible. And that run to score, I mean, I thought, h- how's this for the irony of sport? We're going to have an Aussie, Aussie-Turkish kid out of the eastern suburbs of Melbourne going to do a Messi on Argentina to equalise here. Um, it's a, it was a Maradona-like Messi run and thwarted by great defence. So, um, it, look, he was huge, as is just huge. What a performance from him. Uh, I don't hang him out to dry for that one particularly, but, uh, you know, I, I defend other people's right to disagree with me. No, take all that on board and it's all fair and, and needs to be said. 
Harps, I don't know how much you've looked into this. We were talking last week, and uh, thanks again for joining us, but we're talking about the investment required. Let's get fair income and let's have a go. And I had a look at the Football Australia website just to see where they're at. And as of this month, uh, for the next, you know, at least 12 months, there's a thing called Legacy 23 that Football Australia is committed to with um, federal and state government assistance. $276 million is going to be spent across New South Wales, South Australia, Tassie, Victoria, WA, um, with their state government support and the feds. How, how crucial is it, Harps? That's, that's not an insignificant amount of money. With the, world, with the Women's World Cup coming up now, a real focal point, and beautiful of Harry Souter to put that front and centre in amongst his own disappointment. How, how massive is the next 12 to 18 months for Australian football? Oh, Cocker, mate, it's incredible. I mean, this no one anticipated the kick that this Socceroos team was going to give everybody. And so that's a little, not just a little, that's a big bonus. The Women's World Cup was actually in everyone's frame. That was going to be the game changer. Um, and, and the Socceroos have added more impetus to that. And importantly, sports ministers have been in Qatar uh, live on the ground over there. And they've, they've actually seen what the Socceroos are up against. Right. Um, there's nothing, seeing is believing. And $276 million is a mighty sum of money. You, you're quite correct. But actually, then you have to break that down. And if you were to create 276 synthetic pitches, right, all-weather pitches so that kids could play all year and not get washed out by the council every time there's a drop of rain, um, there's, there's your $276 million legacy fund gone yep. in 200, 200 synthetic pitches. Now, that's not going to be a game changer. I don't wish to sound ungrateful. What I'm trying to tell people is that the, the lack of attention to this point, and not just for football, but in sports facilities generally, um, is a crying shame for a country that just loves its sport so much. And so what's going to turn the dial for soccer seriously in this massively global sport um, are multiples of that cocker. That is the reality. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If, if you want to, if you want to go to the Formula One, you can't turn up in a go kart. <laughs> no, so that's true. So choose what you want to do. <laughs> mm. Oh, I like it. I love where you go. Well, what do they, Harps, What do they have to do? Well, you do can you... turn up in a go kart. Well, you're you not going to win. win. No, no, no. 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 <laughs> in fact, you'll go very. You're not going to go very close. No, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> hey, but well, then what is the answer? Because how do they capitalise on this moment? Yes, the interest is there, but it fades very quickly, as we've seen in all, yeah. a lot of sports. How, of what, what's the What's the, the panacea to this problem in order to maintain it and really maximise the interest that's there right now? Yeah, well, the interest is, is more than just latent, uh, Gacy, because you're right, the circus will roll, roll on and people will start, uh, their, their attention will go, the distraction will kick in and, you know, you know, p- p- childish ploys like the AFL releasing their next season draw at the same time the game kicked off. I mean, you want, to, you want an answer to the question, mm. Andrew? That's it. No, that's it was it. pathetic. Put, mm. put your weapons down. Let's do this in the national interest. This is, doesn't have to come at the expense of Aussie rules, for God's sake. Mm. I mean, who, what are you trying to do here? Mm. This, is a, this is a team that everyone was able to enjoy, like everyone is able to enjoy Aussie rules through the winter months. What's the problem? Mm. Like, what's the problem? So until we can overcome those hurdles, there is no panacea. It's about leadership. It's about leadership of, of quote-unquote, competing sports. I hate even using the term. But competing sports, their leaders saying, hang on a minute, let's just put the guns away and do our own business properly. And it's other leaders saying, this is important for the country. Let's go for it. Here's the investment, state and federal governments. And, and, and state government should be investing in sports facilities for all sports, for all sports. 
there's no question there's a, there's a chronic lack of these things. But to, you might have a bit of sympathy with this notion, Andrew. Yeah. I think the pecking order should be the most international sports. Get the most. Well, I'll vote for that. <laughs> that, that, that. That's what we've got to do. And, you know, to be honest, it's track athletics, it's basketball, and it's particularly soccer football are the mm. ones that really the people on the planet take notice of us if we're good at them. Oh, I would suggest the ones you had second and third there, whether they were um, the way you actually rank them, Harps, I would think that they're the two that um, are, are probably deserve to be one and two, and you can take your pick as to what order you want it to be. I, I think I, so, so that's it. Well, Graham Arnold, what, I, I, I don't know whether I've missed any, you know, suggestions of what next, or, but, but is it his now uh, until you know, a, a major calamity or his choice to stand down? What, what do we do with the coach uh, now? No, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, I have to preface this comment by saying all credit to him yep. and his players. Just an, an unbelievable achievement. And, and all the glory that comes their way is thoroughly deserved and everything they've done is vindicated. End of story. But, but I don't think it's a, throw the, it's a keys to the city job. I, I, I don't think that. I think, um, you know, the the, the the qualifying campaign was far from problem-free. Um, this in, this enormous achievement in the World Cup, whilst you could, if you wanted, mount an argument that all those hurdles along the way, they were all part of the grand plan for this for this brave loss against Argentina. Well, to me, that doesn't wash if people are trying to sell that. Yep. This this there has been a problematic period. Graham's had various opportunities. With the national team, this is quite clearly his most resounding. And, and, and if he retired now, he'd be a hero. Um, but there are a couple of, if I could use the term, failed Asian Cups in there, um, et, et cetera, et cetera. So apart from all of that, however, um, it's been a long time, Graham Arnold Association as player and then coach, has been a long association. And I don't think we need necessarily to be or feel limited to that and by that. It might be time for Graham to use this as a springboard to a career in Europe. And, and why wouldn't he? Mm. Go, and, go and test himself there on the back of this outstanding achievement at the World Cup. Um, but because of this World Cup, I, I wouldn't feel completely comfortable in, in just making a Graham's decision, whether he stays or goes. I, I, don't think, I wouldn't think that's the right thing. Harps, there's a lot to look forward to. Um, such is the nature of Asian football. Um, you know, if we're inclined as a sports-loving nation to get up in the wee small hours uh, of tonight and tomorrow morning, we've got Japan and Korea up against Croatia and Brazil. So it just underlines, doesn't it, that, you know, in the Asian conference, there's three of the 16 get through, which is... You know, we know it's a bit harder to get into the World Cup from some parts of the world than perhaps others, but the quality of football playing nation that's coming out of this part of the world that we live in at the yeah. moment is getting deeper as every every um, World Cup cycle goes by. And, it, and it's completely a correlation of the amount of investments, the amount, the lack of distraction from these countries. Uh, now, we will never be, we'll never have a full focused view on football. It just won't happen because we've got too many interests in too many other sports. And I love that, actually. I love that. I don't call for a single focus in our national sporting identity. I don't expect that. I don't want it. Um, however, short of saying I'm expecting a single singular focus for football, we have to open the lens on the game yeah. much more than this country has been prepared to do for 130 years. Yeah. It's time to put the shit away and say, let's back this thing in as best we can. Mm. Couldn't agree with you more. Uh, thanks, mate. We appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Good on you. Well Eddie done, Harper.
saying it like it is. Well, you know again. what? In in fairness, they are having a fair swing at it. When you look at the Women's World Cup, that is a oh, no, huge a go- yeah. international yep. event. Yep. So there is a fair, a decent swing at it, which is great. And but, who knows what the legacy will be from that. But the legacy that we see is mostly going to be in facilities. You look at these, the money that's being spent, a, the, a significant portion of that 200 and whatever million go to, is, go to the, is venues. Yeah, go to the Football Australia website. If you, it's, they've, they've laid it out really well, this legacy, legacy 23. And you're right. I mean, the, the infrastructure spend across Australia is significant when you look at the numbers being thrown at it. What needs to happen is mm. I, I, people need to be held cent by cent, dollar by dollar accountable for this money to be spent the right way. That, that is absolutely crucial that every single – 276 mm. million – that's quarter of a billion dollars. Mm. This needs to be spent well, the right way. Yeah, related. it needs to be spent the right way. Mm. Make sure we do. You know what would be – how does this sit with us? Mm. 2032, we've got the Olympic Games coming out. Now, that's, that's only nine years. It's 10 mm. years away. Why don't we have a go at the – I don't know. Has the World Cup for 2034 been committed to yet? I don't think it has. Mm. Why wouldn't we have a massive crack at the 2034 well, World Cup? Because we allegedly lost about 60, 70 million bucks for one vote the last time we had a crack. If we. Uh, so it's expensive just it, to have a crack. Yeah, that is very true. So is, if, is you, if our, you had a choice of that or say, well, here we've got a budget of 70 million dollars. Let's just spend that on, like Harp said, let's just build, build another, it yep. and they will come. Another couple as of one stadiums, wise man yep, yep. said. So you built these facilities, would that not be a greater legacy than going ahead and, and, and doing that? Well, if you know you're not going to get it, the answer to your question is a simple one. Mm, that's true. <laughs> you know that is what I very mean? true. But if you get the World Cup uh, and you've spent 70 million bucks on a couple of pitches as opposed to getting the World Cup, mm. I mean, we've got the World well, Cup I'm for women more, here. So I'm saying more grassroots so pitches. So they come, to the, they come here. You get more than two. All the crucial... Delegates are mm-hmm. going to be here next year for the Women's World Cup. They will. They're all going to be here. My word, they will. A lot of them will come back in nine years' time to sample the Olympic Games. Indeed, they will. So we've got two really good opportunities. Now, now I'm not – here I am. We understand our oh, people. I don't, I don't I'm agree not with naive you. anymore. Yeah. I'm not naive anymore. I would like to think that they come here and see what we can do, and it speaks for, them, speaks for itself. But that is not how it works. Oh, I no, think no, it's not. No, well, it's no, no. Changed no, with it's the not how it works. I think it's changed with the Olympics. Maybe not, not, not with for the FIFA. World. Oh, no, no. It's getting worse in the world for, mm. with FIFA. It's gotten a lot better with the Olympics, I think. Is that because a there's less better. people who are wholeheartedly wanting the Olympics? No. I, well, possibly. But I, I think it's more to deal with getting rid of the system that lends itself to corruption. You get rid of this oh. thing. I'm not saying there was corruption, but it, it lends itself to corruption. We, we, so now where are you saying there wasn't corruption? Well, the IOC. I, I just want I think to be there very was Andrew. Careful. I think there was Andrew. Well, I don't know. I think you can confidently say there might have been a little bit of argy bargy going on along the way. Perhaps allegedly, whatever it is, without <laughs> getting sued. So, uh, but but I think Andy, if you had the choice of a World Cup or seventy synthetic pitches where grassroots can play, yep, yep. it's it's not a simple. No, no, I'm not. Done. I don't think it's as simple to say the World Cup wins. No, I'm not. Ar- I'm not arguing with you. Oh, yeah. I think you make a very valid point. Thank you. It's twenty two minutes past four. There's a lot there. Fallout from the World Cup campaign, twenty thirty four. How what? How do we make sure we Andy? we don't mm. you know waste this money? Give us a call. One well, last question. Last thing I would say. Based on the, the feedback that I see off the temper text machine, yep. if some investment was made to half or even lower than half 
whatever it may may be. The cost of play. 75% take off the cost of play. Then, and that introduces exponentially more participants. Oh, look out. We're on the podium. Time's gone. It's already 28 past four. It's Where's absolutely... It's I don't know where it's gone. I really don't. We're here for robot building supplies. Because we're getting older. And Beric BMW. And it's, we're having fun. Oh, good. There's a bit of stuff. So people think without uh, a bit of footy, mm. uh, things dry up and there's not much to well, talk about. There's uh, no shortage of things Well, to talk I think about. that's in line with what Jeff was suggesting with Jeff. that conversation mm. that we were having regarding saying? the funding and, and how uh, football slash soccer can capitalise on the mm. World Cup success. Jeff up to Jeff says this. Okay. Do you fools. Now, fools. that's a bit harsh, Jeff. Fools, Jeff. I don't know why I have to use that word. <laughs> do you fools, although we can be a little foolish from Occasionally, time to time, yeah, yeah. Do you fools want Aussie rules to be swallowed up by soccer? Yeah, Question mark. Because you're talking like it. That's what we want. No, we of don't. It, of course it is, Jeff. As Andy Harper said, there's space out there for us all. And I don't see how you can, having a conversation on how we can improve the prospects of our an Australian soccer team, how that can be uh, equated to, well, there has to be a decrease. Someone has to less. suffer. Someone has to suffer. Yeah, for, in order to... Aussie rules will die, according <laughs> to Jeff. I don't think that's the case. That's what well, Jeff's saying. Oh, no, no. Jeff's saying Jeff lives. Mm. Jeff might be one of those people who lives perpetually in fear of everything. No, of every of every, like of every action having a negative reaction on Jeff and no. Jeff's world. Jeff... We can all survive mm. in perfect harmony. Mm. Let's get more kids playing sport. Mm. Let's get more kids playing sport Grow now than, a, than we have ever had before, Jeff. Mm. Jeff, go for a walk, Jeff. Go for a walk. Mm. See how many kids there are in the world not playing sport. Mm. Have a look. Quite a few. In a, there's lots of them. Because a lot of it's to do with cost, Andy. Well, there's a lot, there's a lot of reasons for mm. it. But let's make it easier for kids to play sport. I agree. I 100% and agree. Let's not live in fear. No. Let's back our great Indigenous well, game. Well, Annie. Our great Indigenous game. Of course we do. It's a magnificent game and we'll always survive. Well, no one can no one can question this station's commitment to the AFL. No, they cannot. The but, but No, uh, they cannot, nor should they. No. It is a magnificent game. It is a brilliant game. I mean, the, for example, 1.7 mm. million people mm. watched Australia v Argentina. Now, there's a difference in terms of time, time zones. One's at 6 o'clock in the morning. A radical difference. Uh, yeah, well, there is. One's mm. at 6 o'clock. Not hard to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning, by the way, to watch something on the tally. Well, it's a the other one's Sunday on Sunday morning as well as six o'clock. Even easier. The other one's on a No, not for a lot of people that oh, are out what? there and enjoying themselves late on a Saturday night. Oh, so seventeen year olds aren't getting up and eighteen no, year olds. Most of us oh, are so only seventeen year olds go six out. Six o'clock on a Sunday morning for most of us I'm is a very, very a, sweet time slot. It's not a sweet time slot. It is not sweet. sweet. It's it's Tolerable, One, but it's not sweet. 1.7 million across the SBS platforms watch Australia, Argentina. So yes. for Jeff, who's terrified, don't of be like that, to Jeff. Why are you so of angry destroying Jeff? the Australian rules football? 3.06 million watch the AFL Grand Final, which was a stinker, a stinking game. Well, and and to quote. I want you to quote the figures too in regards to how the 1.7 is broken down because Victoria, surprisingly, was oh, yeah. well below no, no, terrible. New South Wales. Terrible number. There, there were 150 there or thereabouts, a thousand more people watching Australia v Argentina on the primary Metro, five Metro figure yes. um, on the primary SBS feed. Uh, about 150,000 more watching it in Sydney than in Melbourne, mm. which I thought we were the sporting capital of Australia. That surprised me. It did surprise me a little bit of that. Yeah, but what about t- can you compare that to the game against Tunisia? About the, was, the numbers, there about, was more. No, I think more people watched the 
Tunisia game than they did I the Argentina. I think that was early. That was reported early, but I'm not sure it was actually factual. Oh, okay. Been a lot of numbers being thrown around in the wake of us falling out of the World That's Cup. It. About expenditure here and expenditure there. A lot of stuff, funnily enough, on Twitter that goes unverified. And inaccurate. Exactly. Well, apparently so. No, when... no, highly inaccurate. <laughs> okay, right. In fact, completely and utterly wrong. <laughs> okay. But people. Not, not inaccurate. No, but a lot of people don't do research. They don't know how to. No. Uh, so they just accept it. Mm. Glenn's in Point Cook has jumped on the line. Uh, Glenn, it's a delight to have you part of the program on this Monday afternoon. Good afternoon, Glenn. Good afternoon, boys. Great to talk to you. Um, yeah, just a quick one um, before I make my comment. Uh, look, the, the World Game's a brilliant game, but it's only a pimple on the backside of the mighty Carlton Football Club. I can, give you, you know, <laughs> I can give you Kuno's size increase. I could give you Ollie Holland's burning around the boundary. But anyway. Thank you. Well, I'm here for you, Glenn. Glenn, I'm here for you if you want to have a chat. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Later, later time, okay. definitely. Um, right on, right on. On, on the World Game, um, now, I was listening to your comments about how do we prove it. Mm. Now, I, I think there's really only one way to, to, to get better, and that is we've got to increase the salaries of the players that we've got here, and we've got to get better players and better quality and, and, and actually pay them for being better, and that includes the coaches as well. So my idea is, you know what, you put up the price of tickets, you lift the profile, you say, if we really want to have a great side, we've actually got to remunerate these players so we can get the best possible players playing the game here so they don't go overseas and we lose a talent. I well, think that's the key don't know. I don't know. I think you're right. I think the, the local competition, the domestic competitions at all levels needs to improve, of course. But the, when I listen to the experts, they believe that maybe because it's the state of the game right now, that in order for our players to be able to perform on a World Cup stage is they need that international experience, whether it's style of play or level of competition. Um, yeah, that that seems to be the general feedback that you re- they receive. We, we will always be, and we shouldn't be afraid of this. Mm-hmm. We will always be a a feeder, mm. a feeder league to greater competitions around the world. We're, yes. we're never going to be a destination league. The A League, we can be a higher destination than we are right now. No, yeah, well, that's okay. Mm. We, well, maybe we can, but but certainly for players up until they get to the. We know how eagerly international clubs are to recruit young talent. I mm. mean, they, they, they're scouting 12, 13, 14-year-olds That's to right. bring into academies. And, and if we lose our best talent at that age, well, so be it. They're going to go into a more high level, as you just said. What, what I think is a, a better thing to do from Glenn's perspective is make sure we spend a bit of money to have uh, a centre of excellence somewhere mm. globally that we are able to get our players together who are playing around the world on a more regular basis. Mm. Those who aren't um, uh, domiciled here in the mm. A-League, let's get the players who are for, far flung mm. in a position where we can get them together more often. Oh, more no, often. but I think, having said that, we still have to continue to strive with every ounce of breath that we have to continue to improve the domestic league. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah. forever and a day. Yeah, that's yeah. infinite. That's... But won't that happen if we get more people playing the game? Of course. And we get greater talent being exposed and developed. The broader the base at the bottom, Andy. Thank you, Andrew. The more that will filter up through the top. Glenn, there's a Signet Boost Power Bank valued at fifty nine ninety five coming your way. It's 25 to 5, Rod. I don't know where the day's oh, gone. A break. Hey, if you need to fill your Christmas stocking uh, and sports books are the go, Body Nage, one of Gazy's great mates, been writing about basketball for 40-odd years. At this least. Bloke has written a fantastic book about Paddy Mills. He's going to tell us why you should buy that in the next 25 minutes. I'm looking forward to Sports Day after us tonight. A lot for Cornsey 
and Geraldo to be discussing out of the 5.30 break. Uh, Bonnie Nars is going to join us on the other side of the break to talk about Beyond Basketball, his book about Paddy Mills. And if you're in the market for a book for you know someone, yes. uh, why should be considering this? Available at all good bookstores, of mm. course, the Paddy Mills book. We might actually volunteer a book or two uh, for the next couple of days after we've spoken to Body that uh, you and I. Well, can... we'll give away this one that well, we, you've been very fortunate enough to get a sample of. I think Steve Marshall dropped in half a dozen or so. So half a dozen. Yeah, I do believe so. So in the back yeah. uh, hour of the show, or back forty-five minutes of the show these days, uh, why don't we give away a couple of books to good callers? Let's do it. In fact, any caller for mm. that matter. Yeah. Uh, Rocks, can I give you one? In fact, it's a double banger. He stopped listening to me just mm. like that. We're on air live together. <laughs> And I said, can I give you a rocks? And it's, I'm just like talking I would to a brick, love a rocks. I'm like talking to a brick wall. No, I just read You realise when the, the red light's on and when I throw something to you, it's kind of nice every now and again no, I for did. you to occasionally be listening. First time all season Thank you, Rhino. that I had a slip up. <laughs> That's the first slip up. Uh, can I give a massive rocks and a mm. huge shout out to yes. Sinead Diver and Brett Robinson? Oh, yes. Two this Australian the, uh, marathoners. Correct. Who right. both broke the Australian marathon records. Uh, on the weekend. Magnificent performances by the two of them. Brett Robinson, we had in the studio here uh, leading into uh, the most recent Olympic Games uh, in Tokyo. Yeah. And uh, he was magnificent. And uh, blew up over there. The heat got the better of him. And uh, he toiled away, but it wasn't a satisfactory performance. He's run 207 and Sinead Diver, a magnificent performance. So to our two marathoners. Well, his record, did you just say that? Who's that? That You're talking about... The, Did the you say beat Vuvuzela's? No, he beat Robert DiCastella's. Sound like you said Vuvuzela's. No, there's no Vuvuzela. <laughs> Sound like it. DiCastella's time. That's uh, right, he did. Without say, having some of the issues that Deeks once 21 had. Twenty-one seconds. That's right. Without having the sort of issues that Deeks yeah. had to deal with on uh, one go, particular marathon. <laughs> well, when you're running a when you're something stressing close to your a, body like that, yeah, I would have thought your dietary regime would have <laughs> prevented well, Deeks type things. You wouldn't know because you've never run a marathon, but. I things couldn't. things start to uh, happen affect uh, yeah. so, the marathon and the toll of the. That can't be fun. No, bros. Mm. No, 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 no. It's not. We've all had uh, those of us who have run multiple marathons. Mm. Remember Deeks when he was running though? He did oh. the little twelve of the um, twelve of the Mustaka. I don't remember. Was the twelve of the Mustaka? Was that his corn to say, oh. "Hey, I've got this bit of my okay." He, he twirled the mo while he was running little, the marathon. Not a <laughs> not a full on twirl. Oh, I'm sure it was twirling the mo. Robert De Costello, when was he it? was running well in a marathon, and he had yes. them, and had he had his had like, him covered. Some some of his colleagues. Was it that? He twirl. He looked. It he looked them in the eye. He did something. At the twenty-seven kilometre mark and twirl his mo. Would he? It does, now that you mention it like that, it does sound a little. One peculiar. of the most ridiculous things I've ever. No, heard. he did something. I don't know whether it was the twirling twirl of the mo, mo. Or, or he did a little one. Boris just a little. Badenoff. What did he do? He didn't. Someone twirl his will mo. know. Let he me know. He did something. There was some mo. little thing he did that uh, indicated a. <laughs> hey, I mean, I'm informing. Truly extraordinary. <laughs> Truly extraordinary. No, I don't think it was. 19 minutes to five. Body Nash, Paddy Mills, beyond basketball after this. 14 minutes to five. We're going to uh, steer you towards, not you know, force you to bend your arm or anything, force you to do things against your free will. Strongly encouraged well, because of quality product. That's right. We're a sports radio station. It's Christmas. We've got to buy presents. Chris Kringle, family, mm. friends, all that sort of stuff. So there's a heap of sports books that are out there. Some have been released specifically for Chrissy for the Christmas market. Others mm-hmm. have been around for a little while, and uh, we're going to be. Well, um, that hasn't been around all that long. No, no, say the, only a couple of months. The Patty Mills book, Beyond Basketball, written by Body Nash, and uh, the author uh, of the book about one of our great Olympians, one of our great international sports stars, has been a man who you know very well, been covering the great yeah. game of basketball here in Australia for. 
Spotty, it must be over 40 years there or thereabouts. Uh, thanks for joining us on the show. Oh, thanks very much for having me. It's a real treat to be on with Andy and Andrew. <laughs> How long has it been that you've been covering uh, hoops here in Australia? Officially, as a journalist, it was 43 years, and that ended in 2017. So um, in the five years since, I've continued to blog and do radio spots and podcasts and stuff. So probably we're getting up towards 50 years now. Oh, absolutely. I would say certainly life goes on beyond your your work at News Limited there. You're doing some terrific stuff. But what was the motivation with this one? Was this inspired by Paddy? How did you come about uh, putting this book together? Well, actually, uh, Michael Wilkinson from Wilkinson Publishing, who, who published um, your dad's book, Lindsay, yeah. uh, Lindsay Gay's book, um, we had Lindsay on, on our one of our podcasts, and so I sort of made contact with Michael across the journey. And then when he was he saw the performance at the uh, Tokyo Olympics, and he thought there should be a tribute book written about this young man. He's, he's a bit phenomenal, and um, he came to me and asked me if I'd be willing to do it. So I was very happy at the idea of doing it, although Patty's direct input into the book was was minimal because he was in the middle of a an NBA season. You know, one day he's playing in Brooklyn, next day he's in Atlanta. A couple of days later, he, he's who knows where. You know, mm. Sacramento and what time of day. And so he didn't have a lot of input. But people like um, his his parents, Benny and mm. Yvonne, and his uncle Danny Morsu, and a lot of other people in and around his circle were terrific in putting the book together. Hey, Body, sometimes the best books about someone are done without that person yeah. having any input <laughs> into the book whatsoever. Um, so so that shouldn't be a detraction whatsoever. Hey, often there's a quote that you use at the start of a book that you hope sets a bit of a tone for what's to come. And you've got a Nelson Mandela quote in there before you get into the the body of the book. Why Why did you choose that Mandela quote specifically? Because it, it it speaks to the fact that sport crosses boundaries. And when I was um, investigating all of Paddy's life and the fact that his mother was from the stolen generation, which is a, a pretty awful, mm. awful backstory. And, you know, when I investigated a bit about the story and about the family and found out more, they had every right to have a chip on their shoulder, to be angry and, you know, to just be unhappy about the cards that life dealt them. And that is 100% not what they were. They were 180 degrees away from that. They were the the most beautiful people, the most loving, kind, and giving people. As soon as I got to know Benny and Yvonne at all, I straight away understood where Paddy came from and why he thinks the way he does and why he's acted the way he has in trying to drive this program, the Boomers program, to, to getting a medal. So the fact that sport transcends is another example of that so as soon as, as soon as I became aware of that and, and became increasingly aware of that I thought well that's that's really a good quote to, to uh, utilise because it sort of sums it up Hey Body you're 100% spot on and my take on, on Paddy He's an activist, and there's been many, many activists over the years who have got a fantastic passion, and we absolutely support the cause, but they can be a little divisive. The thing about Paddy, that he's done it in a completely non-divisive way, and the way in which he's used his sport and his success as a vehicle to go beyond just uh, representing Australia and trying to give back has been extraordinary. And when you went through this, is there there anything particular that stood out the most about Paddy and that relationship that that he has had to try and drive home the message to for us as a nation to do better. 
Well, look, I think I think the best uh, this is an example I use in the book that when you're the victim of racism or sexism or ageism or whatever it is, mm. when 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 you're the victim, you you have a, a choice. Like if, if someone's throwing a uh, a baseball at your head, you you got a choice. You got got your bat and you can whack it back as hard as you can at them, mm-hmm. or you can catch it in a soft glove and roll it back, and with that roll, maybe educate. And bring them forward, and that was that's been Paddy's way of doing it. He he has had more than his share of, of being called various names during the, particularly in the earlier parts of his career, and how he dealt with that was to you know not take it on board. His parents were great, and to sort of say, listen, we have to educate. We don't we don't want to we don't want to fight. We want to educate, and we want to move forward. Fighting just leaves us in the same place, basically. So so there's that aspect. To his story, which is which is really good. I mean, it, it's a mm. it's an uplift. As I'm writing it, I'm feeling uplifted. You know, I'm thinking, yeah. this, is, yeah. this is a good guy. And I, I mean, I started I started with you guys pretty much with Mel McLaughlin's um, interview with Patty after they just won the bronze medal. Mm. That's where I sort of start the book. And then the book is not so much a a biography of Patty, which it is, but it's not specifically that. It's, it's intertwined with the journey, the frustrations, and the disappointments of the boomers along the way till we get to Tokyo, which is yeah. also where, in 64, the first Indigenous basketballer, Michael Armat, mm. competed. So it's sort of like a lovely sort of full circle event. Yeah, and I, I noticed uh, Melbourne Glocklin got a mention there on the very first page, and I, I scrolled through the next <laughs> couple of pages looking for a bit of Shinya-type action, but... Uh, <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, no mention of Shinya. But anyway, that's, no, that's by the way. It's not about us. No, it's no, about no, Patty. Of course it's not. I, uh... <laughs> no, 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 no. Later, later when I get back to it, because now we now we go on the journey. So when we get back to the sort of the point of the journey, yes, I, I even put the uh, put the whole conversation that you two had on air. And that beautiful. beautiful conversation, and that's all there for word for word. I actually tidied it up a bit, Andrew. Good, you got a bit, a bit blubbery there. I so did. Very emotional. Uh, it was a magnificent. No, really... uh, it was one of our great moments, Body, yeah, and it wouldn't absolutely. have come. It wouldn't have come to be mm. without Paddy and the key role that he played in all of that. Not mm. only the ultimate execution and winning a medal, but in the mm. lead up to those Olympic games, I'm sure yeah. that he was profoundly involved in some. Uh, some key matters. Look, we could keep going. Uh, I just we, want to we, quickly. We, can well, I, you better be quick. You're about 20 d- d- seconds. Just you, you think of the, the next Olympics coming out of Paris. Paddy, still highly motivated, and you expect he's going to be there? I do, and I expect he's going to drag Ben Simmons along with him. Good. Well, wouldn't that be beautiful? Hey, Body, uh, it is your book. It's Paddy Mills Beyond Basketball. It's available in all good bookstores, and uh, it's a hell of a story. If you're looking for a Christmas gift yeah. for, uh, for somebody, it's right out there in front of you. Thanks for joining us, mate. Pleasure, guys. Good on you. Hey, we got copies to you, give buddy. away. We got about half an hour to go. Uh, best callers uh, between now and five thirty. You're gonna mm. get. Them. I could. I could whack. I could put together a little quiz if you like. <laughs> You're going to pick up a copy of the book. Uh, Magnificent to have you with us. Uh, Jared and Cornsey up after 5.30 with Mm. Sports Day. Heaps to talk about with those two chaps uh, in about half an hour's time. Uh, Not that long ago, Keefe, Richmond, uh, a lot of the clubs are posting their financials uh, for another busy year, and Richmond posted theirs with extraordinary numbers. And I know you're pretty keen to have a chat to the CEO, the Tigers, about you know, this and that and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. But in the in the middle of it all, about the money that the footy club's making, uh, it's easy, could be easily overlooked that they continue to do enormous good 
uh, for certain causes and charities around the place. The Alana and Madeline Foundation's been ex- extremely close Brilliant. to the Richmond Football Club for a long time. Yes. And I did notice they raised nearly another quarter of a million bucks, wow. which I think, Brendan Gale, as we say, g'day to you and thanks for joining us on the show. Does that take your overall contribution to Alana and Madeline Foundation up to about 1.7 wow. pl- million there or thereabouts? It does, Andy, and uh, good afternoon uh, to you. Uh, but uh, it does. We've we've been uh, in a relationship um, with the Alana and Madeline Foundation for ten years. Uh, they're a preferred charity partner, and yeah. So over the journey, um, one point seven million and uh, uh, two hundred twenty thousand of that uh, came this year, and it's it's basically um, from our members and supporters. Andy, they donate. We have a special uh, game. Um, each year where we really shine a light on the work they do in protecting children from violence and um, and we have a percentage of retail sales so that's siphoned off to uh, to the Alana and Madeline Foundation. So, yeah, it's our, our members and supporters. I think it's really important they embrace it wholeheartedly. I mean, arguably there's nothing more important than the future of our kids and keep them safe from violence and it's something we're very proud to be involved with. But having said that, I mean, it's something that all clubs do. All yeah. clubs you know, are aware of their responsibilities to community and also to, to make stronger communities and and to lean in, I guess, uh, and support communities that ultimately support them. Um, but no, we're very proud of our relationship, that's for sure. It's so important, Brennan, when the the work that those organise, not, not just the money that footy clubs are raising, and you're right to point out that the other 17 are doing it as well, but not just point out the fact that we're raising this or help raise the money for for these important causes. But when the information gets passed back to your staff and the players about how that money is being used and the difference it's making, that I reckon that's when it can really hit home to people within the organisation who might like the idea that you're doing something but not necessarily invest in much more thought other than the kind of bottom line. Yeah, look, it's true um, because... Look, it's it's look. I'll be honest. It's not all about altruism. It actually makes good business sense because what we're finding is that our association and support and some of these things we do and in, in I guess social impact, the work in the indigenous space, the AMF Foundation. It's a really it's a really strong driver of employment engagement. Mm. So our employees really care, um, and uh, and if they care, they're more productive and they do good things for the club, and we all win. So and equally. Equally, you know, I think members and supporters of clubs these days do want their clubs to stand for something a little more than playing footy. And, and clearly, you know, we, we have very, very sharp laser focus to, to our football performance. And um, but, but arguably, we exist as something a little, a little broader, a little deeper. And and our and our fans sort of buy into that. So and then and and sort of feeds their engagements and they stick with you. So. Um, you know, it's it's a, it's a, it pays multiple dividends. You know, you support the organisation, the cause, but it really drives engagement for your club. Hey, Brendan, well done. It's a, a fantastic achievement. And uh, like you say, and Andy said, all clubs do it, but the way in which you've done it with this particular organisation seems like a fantastic partnership that you do have. But uh, just on, on, on uh, broader issues, how... Um how excited were you for the Australian team and uh, what they were able to do with the World Cup? Because it's captivated us all here and uh, we have a temper text machine and everyone's been thoroughly engaged. Did you have a time to, to sit back and watch that as well? Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't. But I, I get caught up in it. Mm. I, I, look, I, I've always... 
I love the um, the colour and the flavour and the passion. I guess the cosmopolitan aspects of, of soccer. I, mean, I always have. It's a, it's a, you know it's the biggest game in the world. It's a global game. But I'm, I'm not keen to get up at five in the morning. <laughs> but my but my yeah. son did. Yeah. My son did, and he's a little posse of buddies, and he's 15. He said, "Dad, I want to get up and go to Fed Square." I said, "You should." Yeah. To write a passage, so. Um, but it just highlights. It really does highlight the power of sport. You know, mm. there's when you look back, and you know, there's so many forces in society that are sort of dividing us. And but sport is one of those. You know, the institutional power of sport to bring you together. And I just think a really highlight of that. You know, thousands mm. of Fed Square and uh, Mamie Stadium around the country. Um, uh, it's great, and um, mm. and you know, in that respect, the rising tide lifts all boats. Yep, spot and on. It, it does, spot and it, and it uh, what it does. It it really it it has the power when you've got your national team in particular soccer and the way it does. It can really bring a, a nation together, and they did a fantastic job. And just on that earlier on in the show, we were talking about it. Um, the AFL they <laughs> they decided to release <laughs> round one. Now I've got a bit of a boomy bottom about this because I just think, like you said, magnificently articulated perfectly the power of sport. And then you just – and I actually think it is a little divisive in what they tried to do. Andy thinks it was just an attempt at humour in releasing the round one fixture just on kickoff of the most important game that we've had in Australian soccer in a long, long time. I think you're reading too far into a game. Right. I think you're, you're being a little sensitive. I think, I? Uh, are you suggesting there was some sort of malicious motive at work? Yes, there? he is. Well, yes, I'm not sure. Is. I don't yes, I don't know ever on a Sunday morning at 6am they've ever released it at that time, uh, <laughs> but prior. Oh, it might have been a remarkable coincidence. It may have just I been think... something out of the blue, but... Uh, I, just... I think it was a coincidence. I reckon you're reading far too much into right. it. And, uh, <laughs> no, uh, I think that was – look, to be honest, I think, you know, they're, they're, there's been a lot of uncertainty around the fixture, so there's always their intention to, to sort of share it in dribs and drabs um, rather than the, the whole the whole show at once. Mm. So um, I'm sure if you spoke to the AFL, they'd have some sort of, you know, legitimate explanation. <laughs> I think it was a joke. I think they were trying to have a little bit of a laugh and it, right. back, and it just backfired in the hey, minds but of just a few. On, on that, Andy, yeah. and I get your – Brendan, when I did see it, I thought that was a bit of a pox. But as far as a rocks is the actual round one fixture, I thought it was a – they they found a really nice balance there. Spun this? No, I do. I, I honestly do. Any rapid turn? Did you? Did you? No. Well, yeah. well, oh, from a selfish point of view, I'm pretty happy. We were, um, you know, we get to showcase our club round one against uh, against the old enemy at the MCG. So, uh, Carlton are playing very good footy, mm-hmm. Andy. They're very, very they're formidable at the <laughs> yes. moment. So, uh, oh, you will get... <laughs> um, big big crowd, big TV audience. Um, mm. We're very excited. Uh, you so, cherry yeah, ripe. Yeah, you know, you cherry ripe again down there at Punt Road. You brought in a couple of heavy hitters, a couple of, that, isn't couple of A graders. They brought in potential A graders from. Another, uh, you know, mm. another footy team. You, you've you've got yourself in a very nice. You've kind of weathered, you know, mm. the, the three out of four, and you've become this mag- magnificent football club again. And it's a brilliant part of list management, isn't it, Brendan? It, to be honest, a, a brilliant part of list management that you're in a position where you can bring in a couple of players the caliber that you did. Well, I'm still, I'm still, as you speak, I'm having flashbacks about the elimination final last year, Andy. So, uh, uh, and look, it was, you know, we, we, in all seriousness, we've got a lot of work to do, and we, we, uh, we defended poorly last year, and uh, um, but um, the other aspects of our game we need to improve, and one of one of which is our work around you know, clearance. It's, it's never, it's something we've had to manage. 
and we exploit, I guess, other parts of, of the game. But but yeah, look, we've 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 invested heavily in the draft in the last two years, so we've got we've got a lot of youth to come through, and we've had a, a bit of a look at them. But we brought in a couple of seasoned players who who addressed an immediate need for our footy club. So so you think that that complements us, that that makes us better, but there's no guarantees. Um, you know, I think the, 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 you know, we gave up seven goals from centre bounce. Uh, clearance in the elimination final. It's extraordinary. I mean, it's the game right there. So, so you know, organic improvement with the addition of, of a couple of season performers will help us, but we've got a lot of work to do. Mm. Hey, Brendan, the AFLW season two in 2022 is come and gone and Punt Road was a real feature because, you know, your team's improving and you played in some big games and some really good games of footy. How often do you talk about Punt Road as a as an executive uh, and a board at the footy club? It's not the easiest ground to find access points when you get more than a couple of thousand in there. Is it absolutely guaranteed that that is going to be the base for your footy club for the foreseeable future? Oh, absolutely, Andy. It's, oh, it's highly accessible, Andy. It's just, I'm looking at Punt Road here at the moment. It's There's no one there, Brendan. There's no one there. You can't no, stand it, it, on the far side of the ground. You've got a beautiful uh, no. grandstand you're not allowed to sit in because, you know, you can't have too many people in there. It's it, probably not. doesn't it make could, the standards. It could, just, it could just do with a few mm. extra vantage points. And it is going to be a... No? No, no well, you're, you're right. Look, firstly, Punt Road is an incredibly important part of our at our brand as a football no doubt, no doubt. As a football club. It's an iconic feature. We've been here since Saturday 85. Um, it's, you know, all things considered, all things considered, I mean, location and, and access, it, it's an incredible place um, uh, for our members and supporters to get to. But look, there are limitations. Clearly there are. And, and, and we copped our right whack with a, with a final. But having said that, it, it does, you know, even with the reduced capacity, it, it does, it creates an intimate and accessible environment. Um, that's how we prefer to describe it, Andy. Um, but uh, but um, but it's a good point, and we've got a seventy-six million dollar project earmarked, um, a bit like your mob at Princess Park there. Yep. So yep. so we've um, it's going to it's going to you know an MCG size ground, um, some issues with the size of the ground. It's going to improve facilities for our women um, in visiting change rooms, but more importantly, it's going to increase the capacity to to up to eight thousand. Mm, right. Yeah. You know, so the amendment will be fantastic for members and supporters. Yeah, opposition members will put them over in the corner there somewhere on the gravel. Give them the grassy but bank. No, give no, us the grassy no. bank under the scoreboard, but just limit it to about 300 people. would be very happy yeah. out there. Um, but it's going to be fantastic. And uh, and it's really important because it'll host you know, a whole range of, let's call it you know, second-tier football, yep. you know, VFL under-18s community, and, of course, elite AFLW as well. Um, and, uh, you know, it'll be a great venue with... Um, you know, six, eight thousand would be fantastic. Just, just on that, Brendan, there was a, a little while ago, there was a whole issue with the heritage overlay and all the problems. Have that all been resolved as far as your your development? Yeah, it has. You know, we've been issued, uh, we've gone through a very thorough, you know, planning, um, planning scheme process, uh, you know, unsurprisingly with a, you know, with a highly public organisation like ours, there's an extensive consultation mm. and, um, you know, stakeholders you need to engage and inform and, um, so we've been through that, and yeah, look, we've we've um, we've received planning permits and heritage permits, and um, and uh, you know, in the process of uh, organising tenders now, we've got a competitive tender process, and 
we've got to find the money somehow. So <laughs> that'll be. Uh, well, you... No, we've got we've, no, we've got great support from the Victorian government and, and federal government, and but we're we're you know it's a, it's a project we're going to need to invest in, and and we should. Well, maybe you should stop telling the prime minister to give all the money to Tasmania and maybe mm. give it to Richmond instead. Oh, did that come out a bit? No, it did. no, 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 it didn't. No, no, no. We're all lining up alongside you and behind you. I think there's mm. a long line of people who want to see Tasmania get what it deserves. So, um, mm. in, in, if you can separate yourself as the CEO of the Richmond Football Club and a proud Tasmanian, which of course you can, you had every right to say what you had to say about that. I think so. Anyway, yeah. yep. oh well, I'm a, I'm, I'm a, I think there's a lot of enthusiasm and. Um, I think we'll get the right result. Well, you will, but uh, in a, uh, is in it around, what are you around about, about? I think it's around. I can't remember when uh, Gill decides to oh, uh, hand it over. I'm not going to ask him this. Eh? I certainly am because <laughs> I think he'd be an outstanding candidate, and I just want our listeners to feel comfortable that the AFL is going to be in some very, very fine hands with uh, Brendan at the helm. Is, <laughs> oh, gee whiz. Brendan, when oh, you are luck. the well, are you still you know, a candidate? How does that work? Are you yeah, still? Yeah, and look, and Andy just loads the bullets here. No, oh no, he no, he hasn't. Because I just think that you'd make an outstanding CEO. You know, can I, can yes. I just say today was our first day of training. It's like you know, being back at school. I'm excited. I'm motivated. We've got a seventy-six million dollar development. To, right. I've got so many things to. Mate, to you got a seven hundred and fifty million dollar development with the stadium. You got to get done and, down uh, there in Tasmania. And so I just prefer to. Stay. I mean, you're an athlete, mate. We just stay in the moment. You know, that's, that's what it's all about. You've Got to keep present. Stay in the moment. So, so quarter no. by quarter, minute by minute. <laughs> so I take that as a no comment. Um, I take uh, that as he's in. Well, he doesn't need us to have this conversation while he's listening, but I think we're both singing from the same hymn book on this one. Um, can I ask you one just before we let you go? I know you've also made some comments about Dustin Martin today and, yeah. you know, Richmond supporters can't wait to see what, you know, the, we all understand the Richmond relationship with Dusty. To be quite honest, did, did you ever fear in the last 12 to 24 months that you were going to lose him? With oh, so clearly, him. clearly, that's a very good question. I apologise. And he I, doesn't I, want to answer he's it. He's trying to have a bit of fun. <laughs> he's just decided to hang up. I was giving him a lot of support. Oh, there he is. Oh, there oh, he is. Oh, we got you. Yes, oh, you've yeah, you hung up on us. Out, but I, I think the question was about Dustin, was it? About yes. Yeah, and did you ever fear, did you ever feel, fear that, that, that he was going to finish his footy career pl- wearing a different jumper? Oh, Ken, what's going on? No. Okay. Mm. No, I don't. Look, I think what I think um, I think we underestimated a couple of things. I think we underestimated the nature of his injury, um, the, the laceration. I mean, that's a significant injury. Yeah. I mean, just Dustin sort of been like bulletproof, and we just say, oh, well, we'll just shrug it off, and you know, yeah. he'll be right. But I think that's the first thing, and it sort of impacted his sort of preparation to some extent. Yeah, and then coupled with the uh, you know the tragic loss of his father, I think we probably underestimated the impact of that as well. We obviously have a very close relationship and sometimes those events cause you to question a lot of things. Um, and and I think he, he just went through that process. Where, where uh, but, but I just always felt that, you know, the football club is, is Dustin's family and he's been, he's been very good for our club. But, gee, we've, we've been very supportive of him. He's one of us, you know, and I just felt that's, that's the right environment Seem to be well and work through, and so um, 
So, uh, yeah, I, I wasn't... I was probably... I used to think about him a lot, not so much where it ended up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And, he, and he's been away, and he's, he's done a fair bit of work, and he presented today. He's in great shape, um, ran well, um, and um, we can just keep moving forward. Mate, good luck Beautiful. with everything. Thanks for coming on. Great work with the Alana and mm. Madeline Foundation. Uh, everybody who's via your footy club contributed to help people who need some help are doing a really good thing. Thanks for coming on the show. And uh, to you and your family, have a great Christmas. Thanks. You too, guys. All the best. Brendan Gale, CEO of the Richmond Footy Club. It's racing up to 5.30. Sports day up next. Uh, Dan Howe's going to join us on the show yesterday, picked up by the Kangas Mm. in the rookie list the other day. Liam Shields has officially joined North Melbourne today via the supplementary selection period. A good pick-up. Look. Great pick-up. Alistair Clarkson will have done all of the due diligence Mm. on this North Melbourne list. And he'll know where its shortfalls are. And it would appear that he's identified senior pro veteran type operators mm. as a deficiency on this list. Mm-hmm. And he's going, well, I've got a couple of bikes. Need to plug some holes for I, a short period of time. I've got a couple of role players who I've known mm. for a long time. Got a developing list. Just bring them in. They can do a job. Let him come in. Let him just go to work for 14 or 15 I games like a year. Bring them in. Let's, let, they're not, look, they're probably not going to win you a premiership. They're probably not going to be part of North's next premiership site. They might very well be. They Who might knows? be part of the process. They might be part of the, Educating some of the youngsters, this guiding is, them through some difficult times, some turbulent waters, and just uh, steadying the ship. This is why you're the very best. You can chuck out a cliche. When we've got 30 seconds to go, you can fill 15 seconds of it oh, with the best oh, of the cliches. It's the truth, though, Andy. Hey, Richmond, mm. should never underestimate. I spoke to Brennan Gale. They've got over, over 100,000 members they finished this year. They had a net, operation, a net operating profit of $2.64 million this year. Very tight. Remember when he put out that manifesto about 10 years ago and people laughed at him? No, it was a good... If you don't plan for it, believe it, you're not going to get there. You're not going to get lucky and win three out of four. And don't forget, the rising, tide, for it. The rising tide, tide floats all boats. Nice. Don't forget that. Need to figure it out, but yeah.